it's like the classic, um, you know how people look back on college years and they're like, oh my gosh, it was so great. And you're like, why? And they're like, oh, we we're eating like top ramen and we we're broke. And you're like, but why was it good? And they're like, oh yeah, it was so awesome. Like we had no money and it was just, and it's like hard to even explain why is it so good? Right. Yeah. It's that adversity in a way that is good. And it's weird because yeah. we like cling and we, we claw at certainty and like we want everything to be clean and clear and taken care of and dialed in but at the same time in the back of our like consciousness we're like oh that's not gonna make us happy yep. <laughs> you gotta bring up our fight i mean i'm usually right but that's cool. <laughs> It's not gonna happen. Never, no way. Let's go back. Don't share that story. Hang on, did I go too fast? You just jumped to purpose, which is you. You're a visionary. I see your connection here. <laughs> Love or work. Welcome to the Love or Work podcast. This is Jeffrey Schinnebarger. And I'm Andre. Schinnebarger. Schinnebarger. <laughs> Didn't you love getting that as a last? It's the worst. It's the worst. Awesome. Jeff and Andre, here we are. We're back again. We had it's funny. Unfounded times. Oh, crazy times. Yes. So first, we want to just say, anyone listening right now, we're with you. It is nuts. We're sorry. We hope that um, you're making the best of this with your family and with your partner. And in that, also, just know that these recordings going forward have all been uh, through the computer, not together. Social distancing. Mm -hmm. And uh, except I have no distance from you. I know. And often, you know, children are home. So we just want to put that out there that there might be noises and sounds that uh, have not previously been there before. But is totally reasonable. But we are all doing hard things right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get right to the interview. This is a really fun one, very authentic one. We got this amazing couple that are in the thick of things today. Yes, so today we have Joanna and Nolan Waterfall. Joanna is the founder of Yellow Conference, which is a women's entrepreneur conference. And uh, she will be having a virtual conference coming up in June. So go check out yellow.co and you can take a look at that conference. Mm -hmm. And then Nolan is the founder of Campfire Health. And he has also done this amazing gratitude journal that we are going to talk about more in the episode, which you can go to gratitudedaily.co if you want to pick one up. You know, what's really funny about that is that uh, we were asking where to go to and they're like, oh, we need to get that website up. Hopefully it's up by the time you get to check this out. This is kind of like a, this is like the classic like entrepreneurial, real entrepreneur life like, right there. Oh yeah. You could check it out at loverwork.com. It's like, wait, do we have that website? Have we even purchased it on GoDaddy yet? Like what is going on? Uh, this is, this is classic, but they have already kind of created this resource that you could check out. It's going to be great, which leads us to our top three things to listen to. Listen for. Listen to. <laughs> Listen for number one, Vietnam. They keep talking about Vietnam, and which is funny for me. We didn't talk about this, but it's like uh, the Nam stories. Like that used to be like the military (laughs) thing, but they're talking about in relation to their travel to their travel Vietnam. Number two, Abercrombie and Fitch. 
which just brings back so many memories. To you and Joanna. Jeff and his polo and khakis in our yeah. college days and wearing Abercrombie yeah. and Fit shirts that I just like, just repulsed me. You just and Joanna, you love boys who wear Abercrombie no, and Fit. not one bit. Oh, man. And then number three, smile for 30 seconds. The smile. Yeah, the smile for 30 seconds. It could change your life. All right, everybody. We hope you like this podcast, and we hope during this time you're also catching up on previous podcasts because what we all do is have time at home right now. So we have start plenty listening of time and catch up because we got really, really good ones still coming your way. And today we have Joanna and Nolan Waterfall. We met um, at the church that I grew up at. Nolan was technically my youth group leader for a year. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, we just have to let that hang there for a second before we disclaim right away. (laughs) Yeah, he was my youth group leader. He's only two years older than me. It wasn't, we literally never spoke, I don't think, once. I avoided all the women in the youth group like the plague because I knew I was like their age pretty much. So I was just like not talking. I was <laughs> stayed in my corner. And so we didn't even really talk at that point. And you had a boyfriend. And you had a girlfriend. All right. Yeah, there's three reasons why we didn't. <laughs> That's when we first knew of each other. Yeah. And then we... I got to know your family. Yes. So she has an awesome family. I struck the in-law lotto 100%. So she has an awesome younger brother and younger sister who I did talk to. Got to know them. And I, like, her younger brother and I would hang out all the time and ride longboards. And just, like, we were just, like, kind of friends um, as much as you could be with the age difference. Her brother was kind of, like, wiser than his years, essentially. There's a whole story behind that Um, and then yeah I got to know her parents and totally not strategically like I I (laughs) tell people I wish that I could claim so smart (laughs) not I was not (laughs) it was just how it worked so I was at in college at this point because he was my youth group leader my senior year of high school then I graduated I went away to school but I would come home from school and be on break and Nolan would be at my house hanging out with my family and he would be hanging Stop out with there. my group of friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds kind of creepy. Um, but he would be with my group of friends and so I started to get to know him through um, our group of friends and, and my family and my first impression of Nolan and he knows this full well was let me just say, he worked at Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> oh, so, this is that was the one no-fly zone for this podcast, and it just got violated. <laughs> Hang on. So you, your first memory was him with his shirt off at the front of Abercrombie and Fitch. Is that what you're saying? You know, <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> Oh, jeez. But I was very much not into that. Okay. So I was like, oh, this guy, typical you know, good looking, douchey guy. I know who this guy is and I don't like it. And uh, I was more into kind of the like artsy emo guys, you know, Uh like the really, the ones that were very 
all about their feelings and expressing it and the fours on the Enneagram, you know. So I was, I very much had him pegged. And I remember one day we all went out to lunch. This was after church, our group of friends, we all went out to lunch and Nolan and I sat by each other and we started talking and I was like, wow, this guy is actually not at all what I thought. He's actually very intelligent and definitely thinks deeply about things and really has a soul and is kind. And And that was the first time where I was like, oh, Nolan, oh, that's cool. He's not what I thought. So long story short, we continued to get to know each other through this group of friends. I went away. I worked up at a summer camp that summer. Nolan came up as a counselor that summer. We had our first official date. Then I went to a separate camp. So now we're both in two areas with no cell reception at camps. And we can't talk to each other on the phone. We're now writing letters. But the problem is the mail service to both camps is horrible. It's like yeah. like a couple times a week max and the delay is just not working. Yeah. And These so, young whippersnappers listening have no clue. No yeah. clue. The hardship. It was so easy. No. You can so just easy. Instagram message each other. Slide into those DMs these days. Yeah, yeah. So we weathered that storm, and then she came down off the hill, and so did I. And then she was going to leave for Italy to study abroad. So we had this like. I don't know how long it was. Was it a week it or two like max of days. like? Here's when we can hang out. So we have one date and we go to Santa Monica and to make a long story short, it was just like everything went amazing. Like epic, beyond any epic other date. date. Epic it was. date. It was, our was it like an all day thing? It's like the like greatest sunset day? ever. Yes, it was. I'll just, <laughs> I have to say, so <laughs> Nolan wasn't living up in Pismo Beach, San Luis Obispo area and I had been down in Southern California. So we met in Santa Monica. He rode his motorcycle down. And so we were literally riding his mo I was on the back of his motorcycle oh riding my. up the one at oh sunset like, in, through Malibu. It was like I was like, okay, yeah, this is great. <laughs> he had his Abercrombie and Fitch sent exactly. on. Like, this, right? <laughs> like, okay, I like this. I had my ripped, ripped jeans and sandals. <laughs> Huge platform. Yeah. Just reeking of cologne throughout. The yeah. <laughs> Everybody the could smell so you coming. So one day, best day, basically the best date day ever. ever. And then, and you then decide... you're going to leave or you decide to stay? She, she left. Well, yeah, I left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was very, it was very sad. I... Was I remember writing in my journal on the plane, and I was like, why did this happen right before I'm leaving? <laughs> it was very, very emotional. Um, but yeah, so I, I studied abroad. I was gone for about four or five months. So, I mean, looking back, it wasn't that long. Then it felt like eternity. But we stayed in touch. Nolan would send me letters. He'd send me packages filled with, he sent me Annie Chung's, like, Asian noodles because I missed Asian food and he sent me books and um, and we would Skype throughout that whole time. So we kind of got to know each other in that way, which looking back, we say was a really cool way to get to know each other because we really had to learn how to communicate and talk through that time. 
and there was no, we weren't together physically, so there wasn't that physical distraction, and we were just, we just got to know each other, and then, but and OG, then, Love is Blind. Yeah, I don't know if you guys watch <laughs> Love is Blind. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, funny. Yeah. we're in the second, we, we just started. Like, just like, wait, you guys. Oh, man. It is so, we are it's so crazy. into it right now. But I came home. <laughs> <laughs> and asked me to be his girlfriend. I said no. I wasn't ready. That was the second thing you weren't supposed to say on this podcast. Abercrombie. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I said no. You started. Yeah, that's actually a good question. We need to break these rules. Yeah, did you guys have, is there, what were you not supposed to say? That was a joke. <laughs> no, I didn't. Then you came yeah. crawling back, and then we got married happily ever after. And here we it's are. It's been over eight years. We have a little 10-month-old, and now we're dealing with the realities of life. Yeah. <laughs> Coronavirus is rampant. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Life is... You know, what's funny about the Abercrombie thing is that when we were dating, Andre and I, I had a shirt. It was actually a shirt like this color, I think. It was great. And it was like, you know, the classic, it just says Abercrombie across oh, yeah. the chest. Oh, yeah. Well. I had a, sh- a t-shirt and it said it, and I picked her up on the state and she said, no. And I was like, what? She's like, you have to turn your shirt inside out or I will not go out with you. <laughs> this is like a ch- and I was like, yes. like right now she's like, yeah, take your shirt off and turn it inside out. <laughs> I was like, what? Yes, I love it. That's awesome. I'm with you 100%. And it's like a shock to your system. You're like, wait a second. You don't like this? Like, like I had a shirt and it was my one prized possession from Abercrombie. It was, it had a picture of George Washington and it said wiggity whack. And I thought it was. (laughs) What a great shirt. That's a great shirt. That's a great shirt. By any standard. And we're eye rolling reason. so hard right now. <laughs> <laughs> Nolan, you are so cool. I just want to, I just want you to know, like, I really. He's affirming you. I appreciate that. Thanks. We got to stick together. Us bad shirt guys. All right. So yeah. let's, let's talk a little bit about work a little. You both are entrepreneurs. Yeah. You're both kind of like been doing this for a while too, but your own separate, but together. I know. I'm sure you help out a lot, uh, Nolan, with the Yellow Conference, like backstage and sound and all the things, because I, I, I know that feeling. I do that for <laughs> yeah. plywood. Tell us a little bit about work and both being entrepreneurs and that life. I think it's kind of taken on different forms. So when we got married, things were a little more simple. I worked for a corporation and had my nine to five. And she just had started branching out as an independent contractor, like a freelance designer um, about that time. She had worked at a firm in a, you know, past years. So when we first started out, it had a certain amount of simplicity because we had a simple life, low overhead. I had my nine to five and she had her freelance thing that was growing. And you know how it goes when you're growing and your revenue is increasing month over month. It's like a good time <laughs> to be alive. Your Your money is ahead of your needs and all that stuff. And so I feel like that was like the simple beginnings and then as time went on fast forward years actually because we kind of had that same equation going for i would say like a good four years what ended up happening is joanna with her entrepreneurial spark convinced me to step away from my at that time a different nine to five gig um in healthcare and that's when I stepped out on my own. So now we're both doing our own thing and, and I don't have that steady paycheck. I felt like that we moved was in with our parents point. for a few months. 
Yeah, that was like a pivotal point. So we just fast forwarded like five years because that was pretty standard stuff. And then at that point, I think that's when our, uh, yeah, a big turning point for us because my income went away. We did a sublet on our house. We moved in with your parents. We went to Vietnam, (laughs) which is a side note, which was awesome, which is also because of Joe. So if it was up to me, we'd be living more boring lives. And so she brings that adventure to our our relationship and so it's like this balance that happens and we came back and then it was like okay so here we are we're a couple entrepreneurs we don't we're not making as much as we kind of want to and to pay all our bills in a you know sustainable fashion let's make it happen and i i think that's that's when it got kind of more real for us fast forward another probably year and a half that takes us to um, like late 2017 was another big turning point because at that point I got into the position where I was able to navigate purchasing a existing established business in my space and health insurance and employee benefits that brought some of the continuity back and the, the sustainability back. And at that time, things were shifting with yellow as well. You said that's when it got real. And I think it was 2016. You guys both are in it. You move in with your parents or somebody's parents, which always helps intimacy in an amazing way. And and so there's like a year there where you say it got real. So I'm curious, was that a season that brought you closer together? Or was it a season that really challenged your marriage? And maybe it's both and. I don't know. Tell us a little bit about that season, how you worked through that. Yeah, I think both. I think in the, for me personally, I get excited about risk-taking. and Like, oh, we're doing this and we're taking chances and this is fun. And for me, I felt a lot closer to you through that mm-hmm. time. We we were both, I mean, still, we're, I guess still it's all relative, but still relatively young and in our 20s and it we didn't have kids. So to me, it all felt very fun and I was so excited for Nolan to be stepping into this new adventure. He was really unhappy at his past job. So mm-hmm. um, I think it was a time for me where I felt like we were able to step out and get onto the same page. I mean, even that's when you started working with a coach, you started diving into, I think the cool thing about being an entrepreneur is it forces you to dive into who you are and forces you to kind of deal with the faults that you have because you're in a position of leading and so much of the person you are and your faults that you have can become the faults of the business. And so you have to really be paying attention to yourself. And I, I felt for a a long time that there was a disconnect between Nolan and I, where I felt like I was really excited to be diving into these personal growth type things and who I am as a leader and with Nolan at a more steady job and not necessarily feeling that urgency like I was, there was a bit of a disconnect there for a while. So I felt like when he finally was going out on his own, he was then excited to be diving into his growth and we were having conversations more about 
how can we grow as people? How can we grow as leaders? How can we mm -hmm. grow and change and make an impact? And that was very exciting to me. Was there, is there a moment in time you remember where there was like a click where you're like, wow, we're actually, since we're doing this and talking about it, where there is a moment, a story or a, a time where you're like, no, we're in this together. Nolan mentioned we went to Vietnam. Yeah. So he quit his job and we went to Vietnam. And then when we came home was when we moved in with our parents. But I feel like when we were in Vietnam and we were having these conversations and talking about the future and getting really excited about the lives that we wanted to create, that's when I was like, okay, this is really exciting. We're also in a foreign country and we're exploring these new places and, and Nolan loved Vietnam and we were able to travel together. And I'm like, look at us, we're traveling. We're, yeah. <laughs> There's What's your Enneagram, Joy? I'm a nine. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. And what are you, Nolan? Seven. I'm a five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah, that was an interesting time because to Joanna's point that she just was like making earlier, I think, yeah, there was a disconnect with how we were thinking about the world when my job was just like we said, the nine to five kind of grind she's entrepreneurial and things are dynamic and, and there's that whole world of like personal development and growth that comes with having that mindset. And it doesn't even mean that you have to be an entrepreneur, I don't think, but you know, growth versus kind of like security oriented, like mm -hmm. way of being. And it was that situation like stepping out and letting go of some of the security without even knowing probably what we were doing, or at least for me, like, I don't think I was fully aware of what that step really was going to involve. It's the whole, like the classic saying about like, Oh yeah, no one would start businesses if they knew like what they're about to sign up for and all that adversity. Right. And I think that was kind of the same thing where stepping away from that gig and just journeying into the unknown essentially mm -hmm. was like the best possible thing based on the results that we could have done. It was also hard to do and mm -hmm. It's kind of like, yeah, I'm reading this book, actually, book plug. I have no affiliation with it, but it's called The Wisdom of Not Knowing, actually. You've hmm. heard of this one. And this book is all about, um, it's by Estelle Frankel, The Wisdom of Not Knowing. It's all about journeying into the unknown. And it's like, so far anyway, I haven't finished the book, but that's like this key component of growth, I guess, is mm -hmm. to be able to let yourself go into that unknown space mm. and it's scary. It's like the, no, you're like, ah, at least I, I'm more comfortable with the snake in my own tent than the one that I haven't seen outside the tent. You know, it could be a bigger, more scarier one with worse, you know, outcomes. At least I know this one. So I'll just live with it. And that's kind of where I was for a lot of, for like two and a half years, I would say, until Joanna convinced me that it was worth jumping out of the tent. And was it, and was it worth it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the classic, um, you know how people look back on college years and they're like, oh my gosh, it was so great. And you're like, why? And they're like, oh, we we're eating like top ramen and we we're broke. And you're <laughs> like, but why was it good? And they're like, oh yeah, it was so awesome. Like we had no money and it was just, and it's like hard to even explain why is it so good? Right. Yeah. It's that adversity in a way that is good and it's weird because yeah. we like cling and we we claw at 
certainty and like we want everything to be clean and clear and taken care of and dialed in but at the same time in the back of our like consciousness we're like oh that's not going to make us happy and so that was a moment of like i remember being in vietnam and feeling most alive one moment but also feeling terrified like i felt like i told you this when we were there i'm like i feel like i am evil knievel in the middle of the snake river canyon jump i'm like in the air i don't have a foot on the solid ground from my past and i haven't landed in the future and it felt very unnerving at times but also felt super alive so it was the best so fast forward a little bit and and then you go into a new kind of phase of life of having a baby and the baby entering life and that changing both of your kind of work dynamics together. And then Joanna with you, I'm sure that impacted you a lot and what you were going to do and making decisions going forward about how you were going to keep working or not. What was your experience during that? Our baby's 10 months old, so I feel like we're still very in this time. But yeah, it's obviously definitely changed everything. I think that throughout our eight, it'll be nine years that we've been married in August, this has definitely, I think, for both of us, been the biggest shift that we've had, even Mm -hmm. jumping into entrepreneurship and all that stuff. It's been the best thing in the world. We're so obsessed with him, but it's also been obviously really hard. And I think part of what's difficult is both of our desires to live a life that we are excited about and both running our own businesses. So it really takes a team effort and it's been a balancing act. It's been a, it's been hard. There's been lots of arguments and talking about scheduling and time management and how are we going to do this resentment that's come up. Well, you're getting to go out all weekend and like, what about when, when's my turn to go? Like, well, I have to watch him today. You were gone all, like you were able to be like gone all yesterday. Just a lot of that type of conversation I feel like comes up for us a lot in this season. And yeah, and it's hard sometimes to know how to steer the resource of time. Like, how do you measure it? So is it by how much revenue one will produce Mm. versus the other? Is it by impact? Is it by who claimed that block first? There's all these different ways. (laughs) Who put it on the calendar first? Exactly. (laughs) Who said it first? Like in the day, I need, I need a few hours today. Like, Oh, I was going to say it. Dang it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Whose, whose situation is more important. Whose purpose is more important. Whose night it's more important for them or not. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. So how are you guys processing through that? Well, I think that recently, just in the last really month or two, we've had a had a few friends of ours, some friends of mine from college and just some friends who are currently in our lives recently announced that they're separating um, mm. or getting a divorce. And, you know, we're both we're in our early 30s now. And I think that has hit us really hard mm-hmm. because we're realizing now all of our couple friends who, you know, I was a bridesmaid and I was was in her wedding. She was in my wedding and now they're getting divorced. And, um, 
it just brings a new kind of seriousness, I think, to mm-hmm. the situation where you're like, wow, this is not just, you know, we're having fun in our early 20s going to Vietnam anymore. It's we really need to put the work in and communicate and make sure that we are actively pursuing our relationship because it's not just going to fall into place and be fine with no effort. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's been really heavy on us. We got married really young. I was 23 when we got married and Nolan was 25 and, and we were very much in the Christian world where that's what you do. And so I think we're kind of now just having a kid has brought a lot more of those conversations up. Mm-hmm. Like, why did we get married? Like, was it because we felt cultural pressures? Was it so we could have sex? Was it um, because we had been dating for two years and that's what you do? And, and even just how do we communicate? How do we respect each other? What are our roles as male and female in this relationship? But all that to say, having a kid and being in this season where we're in our early early 30s, friends getting divorced, we've been married for a while now, we're completely different people than we were when we first got married. Mm. It's just brought up a lot of, I think, conflict, a lot of conversation. And I think the one thing we keep going back to is just being communicating through it and being honest with each other um, is what we continue to try to anchor to Hmm. like let's continue to be honest you're feeling resentment let's talk about it don't hide that from me because then it's going to get even worse Hmm. you're mad that I was gone all weekend like let's talk about it or yeah just having a kid has heightened and brought a more uh I guess a sense of urgency to those conversations because now there's another human involved and you realize your relationship is impacting this other person Hmm. our kid we can tell like he feels it when we are fighting and when we hug, he literally laughs at us and smiles. It's really kind of freaky. (laughs) It's, it's cool, but it's also, yeah, it just brings a heaviness. Visually seeing the impact that somebody else is impacted in this way is really terrifying. (laughs) Joanna, you're a lot like me, like where, you know, we lead, we both lead these communities that a lot of times they look at us and how we operate and what we do and want to emulate us or, which is a weird thing to say out loud, but they're, they're just looking for someone to emulate and learn from what, whether we're a good example or not, is not part of the point. So do you feel that in relation, like this scenario and how it relates to your whole community? Cause there's like, you, you lead all of these women and they're probably in the same tensions that you are looking for some kind of guidance. Do you think about that? Is that overwhelming? Yeah, I do think about that. And I feel like it makes it, there's a tension for me with how much do I share with people and how much do I not. Um, And I always want to make sure that I am being honest and portraying myself as I am not, I am just a human being. I do not have it all together, like whatsoever. But I do struggle often, I think, because also so many of the women I work with are truly my best friends. And I often struggle with how much to share with them because of that tension. Well, you also work with, I mean, you work with women 
pretty much exclusively, right? Like this is well, like Nolan and I were at one conference together. It was like (laughs) me and Nolan, Jeremy Cower. And then you hit a little corner. There's like there's the whole yellow like squad, and then there's like ten of us guys over the. All hide in the bathroom, or what'd you do? Bar. (laughs) You hit in the bar. No, actually, I think we went to um, Shake Shack or no uh, some some. Yeah, some you hit close. <laughs> Bloom dudes. Those are we're called Bloom dudes. Nolan made T-shirts you for the are, guys at this dude. last conference. Oh, I gotta get one of those shirts. Shepard got one. Yeah, yeah we we should have sent you one. You can see us on Instagram. Hashtag Bloom dudes. <laughs> That's how. With Abercrombie shirts, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> so you are exclusively with women most of the time, interacting with women. You're always uh listening to women speakers who are you know pre, you know speaking at your events in all of these years of doing this has there been something that you have heard from someone in either what they said on stage or off stage it doesn't matter but just like a piece of advice or something that you just held on to as meaningful and helpful for you personally um and that you just like kept with you is there anything that you can like think of in that way I've lately been really thinking about this idea of where we find our value as humans Mm -hmm. and how America is such a success oriented your value is in what you do who you are is always defined by what are you doing it's one of the first things we ask or ask each other, like, what do you do? And so much of my work, like my inner work, my personal work is to try and not define myself by those things Mm -hmm. and to work on seeing myself as a whole valuable enough human being outside of what I do or my accomplishments, Mm -hmm. which is really difficult. Even though I'm not, I'm not somebody who has really ever had a lot of money or a lot of possessions. I still, I think even in this like creative entrepreneurial world, you can still very much find your identity in the creative things that you're doing or the cool Mm -hmm. projects that you're working on or, oh, you're doing this, you're doing that. That's so cool. You're such a cool human. And speaking like to myself. And so I constantly am telling myself I'm not defined by my failures and I'm not defined by my successes. And to stay in this um, enough mindset to where I know my value, I know I'm enough just as being a human being and being a child of the divine, I can stand in that and be grounded in that and then let myself outpour from that place. Let my work be from that and enough place instead of a striving for my worth, striving for my value, striving for affirmation or success or influence or people thinking a certain thing of me rather than striving for that and let that being my motivator, knowing who I am, knowing my value and letting my work outpour from that place is something that I'm constantly working on. Yeah, that's really good. That's interesting. I think so many people are going to relate with that right now, given 
man, like we're all sitting in our living rooms and trying to find worth without having the ability to work, to work. I mean, we're working some, but our productivity is definitely not the same. Mm -hmm. It's hard to get, get anything done or to show it to anyone other than internet forms, right? Like that's the only thing that can get done. And so it, that, that's a gap in our American society. So I think there's a lot of people, what you're saying is going to be like, wow, what, what am I doing? Does this matter? Um, Especially right now in the not doing. In the not doing. Yeah. Yeah. Where do I find my value? Yeah. Um, and flip side, some people find their value fully in relationships, you know, in, in other people and these people they're looking for affirmation from, they're not going to see them for weeks, you know? Right. So mm-hmm. I think it's a very timely timely thought that you gave yeah i was texting with a friend last night and she was talking about how she's been her boyfriend lives in europe and she's been completely alone and this woman is the most social person i know and we were talking about this idea of when you're alone with yourself do you like who you're with do you like that person that you're hanging out with when it's just you mm. in that empty space of silence or can you sit with who you are and i think right now will be a time when a lot of people will be grappling with that mm. um and i think we can we can even see it people are okay putting stuff online like talking about how can we create during this time like i saw an instagram post that was like isaac newton came up with some sort of law when he was quarantined. And I think that, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I also am like, we don't have to be so focused on that. I feel like everybody now is like, okay, well we're quarantined. Well, we can, we can still make and produce and be successful. And that's just how our culture is wired. And that's how we've been trained to think. And it's going to be really interesting to see over these next few weeks, months, however long this lasts, how people react when it's just them and they don't have the same ability to produce. I totally agree. No, I think that's a good transition to Nolan because I think, uh, Nolan, you've built this or written this new journal journal around gratitude, which Mm -hmm. I think there's one side of the world which is about productivity. The flip side is like, they're going to, there's some people that are going to be listening right now seeing the worst in everything. They're, everything's falling apart completely around them. Um, and they're trying to find glimpses of hope or whatever that they can. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about your views on gratitude and, and what people can learn from that. The background is I've had over the last couple of years, like ups and downs and swings and mood. And I just thought, man, why is this happening? I have it really good. I'm, quite a privileged fellow in this world and why would I not be so happy? Like practically Mm -hmm. speaking, I should be. And I was actually on a bike ride with Joanna's dad, who's awesome. He's a great cyclist. He's also super creative. He's a composer and his attitude is just like the best. He's always happy. He just seems to have it figured out. And I was asking him, I said, how are you always so happy? You seem like you have such a great attitude. Does it come naturally to you? Or like, what, how do you do it? Mm -hmm. And he said, it absolutely doesn't come natural. He says it's a discipline. 
And he said, it's a discipline of gratitude that he's integrated into his life. And, and it's, and gratitude isn't a one, a fix all the path towards, you know, joy, I guess, you know, there's, there's multiple ingredients to it and I don't claim to know them all. You've got exercise, you've got diet, you've got sleep, you've got relationship and you've also got gratitude. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how, you know, study after study shows that when you practice that discipline of gratitude, it literally carves deeper channels into your brain. I think it's called neuroplasticity. So when you channel that, when you flex that muscle, when you fire that signal, it's like your muscles, when you're, when you're lifting weights, there literally is a threshold to your body on how, how intense of a signal is your neurology and your body capable of firing those muscles. The muscles sit in there the same way one day to the next potentially, but your body might not be able to tell it what to do with as much authority. And so um, as he pointed out to me, our brain is very, very similar. And the way to train it is just do it daily. And so I've found that that's really helped me have more appreciation for what I have. And I have a lot and, and it's helped me like appreciate it more. I'm not perfect at the the habit, but the reason why I created this little gratitude journal was I wanted this like simple, straightforward, easy way to, to practice that daily habit. Another thing that I do, this sounds kind of weird and crazy, but, and it kind of goes back to the idea of how you guys with leading communities, how you influence your community. And I think one thing we've learned over the last eight years in our marriage is that we influence each other, whether we want to or not, whether we feel like we're entitled to our own emotions or not, we influence each other. So if, if one of us is in a bad mood, it's going to influence the other person. There's like no way around it. So over the last like two weeks, I've been waking up. I wake up, I drink water and I literally smile for 30 seconds like a weirdo and hope no one sees me as they're walking by my house. Um, and it literally, I believe has helped my daily moods. You do that every day. Yeah. You just like, what do you look at? You look at outside or you're looking at I literally stare up at the clouds or whatever's in the sky. And it's totally weird, but I promise you it literally, I feel the difference. And like, I'm interested in this stuff, you know, like I'm interested in how can I be less of a jerk to people? And you know, that seems to be an ingredient. But. I didn't even know he did that till just really. Now. I yeah. love it. So this is what happens when you get on our learning. Oh. Together. We're yeah. trying to bring it together. Bring it together. Bring them together. That's a great yeah. thing, especially in this season when you're stuck inside. It's like that might be something everybody needs to do. I love it. So gratitude, smile. I actually, water. I do it too every day for thirty. I'm just kidding. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to help you less than me. I'm just trying to help. That just took like a complete direction. I didn't know where we were going. Good Lord. I mean, he said that's why he does it. So I'm just offering that to you. First of all, he didn't use the Secondly, that was a little, he was looking internally. I felt like you were like, oh, he didn't use that? Oh, projecting on me. Wow. You know, I'm just going to smile at you for 30 seconds to see if you. in the morning when you My attitude will change from your smiling. I love it. Okay, so 30 seconds a day. And now you have this journal that you can kind of track some things that you found gratitude in, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just daily writing three things 
you're grateful for. The format of the journal, it has that, it has daily commitments because that's the next stage of it that I found is helpful is like, what's important? Because as soon as you start your day, it's like things are coming at you and what I'm actually going to do today. Um, also having like a vision for the day, that's another part of the journal. So it's all been super helpful. Yeah, I really like it. We are going to link to all of the ways that our listeners can get this gratitude journal because yeah. I think it's really important right now. Totally. Hey, uh, Joanne, I have another question for you before we get to our last question. So again, I we lead communities. You know, I think in the back of my head, I always think if I could say this one thing to everybody listening right now, I wish I wish I could just say this, but I don't say it because I'm always interviewing others or inviting others people to share. If you have, let's say there's hundreds of entrepreneurs listening right now and you could give them just one word of encouragement in the midst of a very challenging season, what would you say to them? I think I really would go back to that value and that worth conversation to dive into knowing yourself better because so we're just so outward focused. We're so focused on productivity. We're so focused on producing and creating and the impact. And we see it all over um, where there's the most amazing businesses that are doing the most amazing, impactful work. And they have a leader who is just doesn't know who they are. Mm. And creates a really toxic environment for the employees that are working there for the people that are interacting with them. And so I think the one thing I would say is like dive into figuring out and, and doing the inner work and knowing who you are as a person, because if you can do that and, and have a heart to create and make an impact on the world, you're not only going to make an impact through what you're producing, but you can make an impact in your work environment, you can actually change the life of your employees, you can be an example for those that you're in community with. And that's, that's the journey that we're all on is, is figuring out like who we are, how, how do we operate? What's our purpose here in the world? Um, so I would say just doing, doing that inner work, focus on go inward instead of outward, see what happens. If I could add something that John has said many times, it's like they say people need to be reminded more than they need to be instructed. And she, like every single conference, anytime I see her talk, like a common theme with what you preach is like, you are you, you are enough. You have to start there. And that's really resonated with me. And I'm appreciative of that message that you bring. I love being able to hear what she's saying and talking about. And it ties into a book, book recommendation too. Five it, over here. It's all the book recs. Yeah. The book is called Ego and Archetype. And it really just dives way into that same message that Joe brings and that yellow community is all about, which is the self is the self. There literally is nothing you can do to change the self. The self is created or inherited, however you want to look at it. You can do as much as you want. The ego is going to get all puffed up and confused and all sorts of things. But literally, the self is not changeable. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's so much of what you preach. You're like, you are inherently of worth. Yeah, I start every event or if I'm leading a group or whatever, I start every one off by saying we're all equals here. 
whether you're killing it in your career and you're just getting a lot of traction and you're feeling great, or maybe you've taken five steps backward, backward, quote unquote, and you're feeling like you have no idea what you're doing with your life. We are all equals and we're all on the journey and it's all welcome here and it all belongs at the table. Because it's so easy, I think, especially with women, to get into a place of comparison and especially when you walk into a group or a conference where it's all these women, it's yeah. like, oh, that person like has that many followers on Instagram and oh, what am I doing with my life? And every person feels that. So I always start off, start off events saying that because I feel like it just puts people at ease and it reminds us all of our humanity and that we're all just people trying to figure figure it out mm -hmm. and we're all on that journey no matter what we've produced or how many followers on instagram we have it's we're all the same we're all humans or how figured out we are we've got all the belief systems dialed in we've got the right stance on the issues like there's so many ways that we i don't know there's such a hierarchy it seems and worth and mm -hmm. we're all the same Well, we are down to the last question, which we ask everybody. Is it possible to change the world, stay in love, and raise a healthy family? Yes. I think it's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> While she's holding, rocking the baby. Yes. With the phone in the baby's hand. Tassie in, in the mouth. <laughs> Mom says it's Jump hard. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really hard. Um, I mean, there's been times when both of us are like, man, it would just be a lot easier if we went and got like a steady corporate job and just had that stability. And I think there's been some times where it's felt very tempting. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, by the way. Yeah, I think it's, it's hard. And I feel like, too, it's like, well, what, is, what does it really, like, mean to change the world, you know? There's a quote by Mother Teresa that I love where she says, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. There's your family. As my is. <laughs> right but, yeah, she says, if you, um, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. And I love that quote so much because... It just is a reminder that the people who we're in closest community with, we have the biggest impact on, and changing the world can look look like exactly that. It doesn't have to be this big, huge thing that you've made. It can be raising a son who is respectful to women and knows his privilege and is a person who brings goodness and love to the world. So yeah, I think it's possible and it might just also shift how we view changing the world. I would say within our journey, one thing that's been helpful, because I feel like practical stuff is always good. And um, I think something that's given us a lot of freedom over the last probably year or so is this idea of moral, like the, the separation of what is truly a moral issue and what is just a choice. Hmm. what's helpful or unhelpful. Um, we were both raised in the church and 
there's a lot of moralizing language in the church without me saying good, bad, or indifferent and moralizing that. I'm just saying that since being exposed to this concept of moralizing language, it's like been a new lens that we, I feel like we've both looked through and it's been freeing to us. And we've been able to say, oh, this discussion that had so much energy and it was so charged, maybe it's not so charged. Maybe it's just two people with two vantage points and we're not, this is not two people duking it out on a moral high ground kind of a situation. Mm. Um, I feel like that's been helpful. And also just like decisions are being made. Like as entrepreneurs, we don't have sometimes the luxury uh, of those who are scheduled to show up somewhere and must be there. So that's also been interesting. Like, oh, I'm going to choose to not be with my family right now because I'm going to work on a project. (laughs) That can be hard. If someone's listening, they probably know what we're talking about. It's like, oh man, that sounds ruthless. And you're like, well, because I'm investing in my business and my community and the future of my family. And so these are just like, it's been really, it's challenging, but it's worth it. It's been good. And now it's time for the breakdown. Phew, that was a good one. Yeah, it was great. Yellow. Yellow. <laughs> Yellow. Yeah. Yellow.co. Yellow.co. Thankful for them to be on the podcast with us today in the midst of all the crazy, crazy times that we are in. Yeah, and I think, you know, the gratitude part really um, hit me. I think that's been something I've been really working on in my intentions um, during this time as trying to look for the good, trying to be thankful and grateful every day um, for things. And um, yeah, it's hard. Is it? Is it a mindset or is it hard? It's a, it's a, I agree. It's a discipline. Yeah, I love that he said that. I think I 100% agree with the discipline. I think it, you know, it's really easy for me right now. I'm, you know, I'm in healthcare. So, you know, that this is a crazy time for me. So, and I'm working a lot and it's, it's hard right now. But for me, I can, so it's easy to get overwhelmed in the sickness and the difficulty. It's harder to discipline myself, take deep breaths and think of the beautiful, good, simple things that are around me and happening. Um, they talked a little bit about this tension between moral decisions or moral issues and what is what is just a choice. Yeah. And I'm glad they brought that up. We have we have wrestled, not wrestled, fought, battled. We went to war <laughs> many times on it's, some it's, really hard topics. Yes. And you might be in that today. Like there might be a, a listener yes. in it with mm-hmm. their partner and they just don't see eye to eye. Uh, so we, first of all, we understand. We're there with you. We have been there. And uh, how do we. And are still there. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as you choose to just kind of come my way. Oh yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, yeah. There's some things that will never ever see the world the same yeah i mean we've talked about that we've even you know written a book that we both don't a hundred percent agree with the other person on in this book and we can still stay married we can still love each other we can still be on the same team and we can still be on the same team. we can still raise kids yes 
it might be hard and there might be lots of fights, but we can still do that. I just, what I don't, what I think on the flip side of that is, is it really possible for a couple to actually see eye to eye on every issue? That would, I think that is actually the part that was like, really? Is that even We're possible? We're not going to. Yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. Because we come into any relationship with our own story, with our own experience, with our own relationships, family with our own training, origin. with our own family of origin that shapes so much of how we think and the other person does not have that same story. Mm-hmm. So how, how, could, how could you be on the same page about everything? I don't, yeah. know that it's, I don't know that it's possible. That's true. So we're in this together and they're in this together. I'm so encouraged that they said that. The last thing I wanted to bring up was Joanna kind of sharing about this contrast between who you are, like your value, your productivity, how you view yourself, especially in a time when work can't be the focus of everything right now. It just can't. It's, mm-hmm. which is funny in this pocket, it kind of flipped everything upside down. Like, or just blended it all into one big household. Of <laughs> junk, just right? shoved it all like that love, work, family. And instead of like everybody going these separate ways, just shoved it all into your home. Mm. That's all it did. Yeah. So, so as you're trying to evaluate that, what should people be thinking? I think the grace that times are hard right now and that things are adjusting and flowing and are different every single day and news is different every single day. And so being able to just be flexible and fluid and knowing that it's an adjustment right Mm -hmm. now. And so we can give each other grace in that ebb and flow right now. Yeah, maybe smile for 30 seconds. Maybe smile. Definitely do your gratitude. Three three things to be grateful for. Yeah, and go sign up for their virtual conference that's coming up in June. I think that could be encouraging, uh, especially for women entrepreneurs. This is a community that is made for that. Um, great partner of ours, and we believe in everything that they're doing. Big um, supporters of Yellow. Yeah, and so, um, again, if you haven't listened to every episode we've ever done at Lover. <laughs> You should do it. This now. is your chance to binge watch, binge listen. Is that a binge thing? Binge listen. Binge yes, listening. I think it is. I think this it is. is your chance to binge listen your ears off <laughs> and listen to lover work. Share it with your partner. Have it be, you know what? When you're together all day, every day these days, you know, this will give you something to talk about. Let's exactly. give them something to talk about. There we go. Let's do it. All right. That's another episode of Love or Work. This episode was produced by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions.